Hi and welcome to Square in the Circle, a podcast about how business owners in the creative industry balance the art and the business. Thank you so much for joining me on Square in the Circle podcast. How are you? Okay, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, well, this is your first ever podcast, isn't it? It is. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel um, quite, yeah, I'm a bit nervous, actually. But yeah, I've been looking forward to it. So um, yeah, be nice to me. <laughs> well, I'll try. I'll try. I'll try my best to be nice to you. I can't guarantee it, of course. That's uh, Let's, well, in, um, in the spirit of being nice, we'll start with a really easy question. <laughs> well, maybe. Um, so obviously we, we've spoken offline and you used to actually do marketing for the police, I understand. Um, and now you're more um, in a design agency, a sort of branding agency. So the, so the first question is, what, what sort of skills did you learn in the police that you actually are sort of doing day to day in your day to day role now? Well, yes, so I did work for Kent Police. I was the marketing manager there. And dare I say, hopefully people won't switch off when I tell them this, that I was the marketing manager for the Kent and Medway Safety Camera Partnership, which was quite a challenge marketing, um, that side of things. But um, all very interesting. Um, Did a lot of like road safety education, trying to change the way that drivers behave on the road targeting sort of young drivers because they think they're immortal um targeting motorcyclists so it was all really really interesting um so the good thing from that is that um i actually then at the time employed a agency like brand space to come in and do a lot of the creative work as part of the marketing for the police so the transfer side for me has been very much that I was client side at Kent Police and now as I joke and say I've come over to the dark side of the agency I know what it's like to be a client to a marketing agency so I think that's really helped to be able to gel with our clients and know what the client expects when they work with an agency Um, And the other side from the police is that, of course, you should be doing it anyway with your marketing, but is that when I was in the police, obviously being a government body, we had to um, be very, very open about what we were doing with with the money. And so every piece of marketing that we did was very much evaluated to make sure that the budget we were using was maximised and used properly and effectively. So that's been drummed into me from a very early stage in my career which has obviously helped when I work with clients so that's an interesting one because I would in the police for instance the the outcomes of the marketing campaign um, for it to be a successful campaign I presume is totally different for um, what you would call a normal business because if someone is working with a marketer they want uh, more generally speaking, more products sold and or, or more sales. Obviously, the police that wasn't the case. So, what was the what what, what did success look like? I suppose for for the police. That's a really good question, actually. Yeah, because that is really really different. Um, and I've kind of had to adapt to that as I've come come to the agency side. But yes, yeah, so for us, it was all about changing behaviours. So we were marketing that change in behaviour and using um, marketing methods to change the way that people behaved on the road. And then we also had an overall government target to reduce casualties on the road. So that's how we measured whether we were being effective. We had a three-year target 
um, and we hit ours early, so that's kind of nice, um, to reduce casualties. Now, I'm going back about 12 years now, so if I'm not correct, but I think we reduced down to about 47%, we had to reduce the casualties down, and we did hit our target. So, yeah, very interestingly, that was a very different way of measuring the effectiveness of marketing. But, um, yeah, so it was done in figures with casualties and, yeah, very, very different how we how we work with B2B businesses, definitely. Yeah, of course. And so staying with the, the B2B side of marketing, how difficult for you when you're speaking to clients is expectation? It is quite difficult, actually, because... A lot of the time, it's becoming a lot easier now because we've got the digital side to marketing, which wasn't around, which makes me sound really old, but in the uh, early stages when I first started in the business. But um, so there's so much more on the digital side that actually you can measure with stats now. Um, but with marketing, sometimes, and I think this is one of the things that we always outline at the start when we're working with our clients, is that every business is different. And so the marketing methods you're going to use are always very different depending on who you want to target. And sometimes those marketing methods might not actually work, but that's really important to know that they don't work. So you either don't use them again or you tweak them slightly to work better. So I think from our side, it's always setting that expectation and explaining to the client, look, the marketing might take a while before it starts to take effect and we'll keep an eye on it and we might have to tweak it slightly and it might not actually work in the end, but we know it doesn't work and that's a good thing because we won't use that again. It's not very often that it doesn't work, but it is possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose it's having that difficult conversation early on um, because it must be pretty difficult if someone's coming to you and you're essentially saying this may not work because it's, it's, it's not marketing why i think it why i think it is totally a creative pursuit is because it's not an exact science is it um essentially it's problem solving over and over again um, which to me is what creativity is all about sorry go on yeah and also i think you know we it's up to us as well to get to know our client in the early stages so that we know what their goals are and they know what their goals are because sometimes they don't they come to us and say we don't really know what we should be doing so then it's our job to say okay well, where do you want to be in six months to a year and then we help them with their marketing plan to in order for them to reach that goal um but yeah the perception sometimes is as well i think then that you're going to start marketing and within two weeks the world's going to know about you and of course it, it's not like that so you have to be patient as well I think that's another key thing with the marketing and keep being consistent consistency is is such a key thing with your marketing and that doesn't necessarily mean for example posting every day on social media it just means that the message that you're getting out to those people that you want to work with you are consistent mm -hmm. and then your marketing becomes more effective it's funny, I um, I did a podcast with John Turner, who you know, yeah. um, and we were discussing networking and actually um, patience with networking, because what, what you don't do with networking is turn up and um, everybody becomes your customer straight away. It's very much a slow burn. You um, you make that relationship and maybe six months down the line, you pass some work to each other um, or you just continue to either you continue that relationship so and it's very much the same well like what you're saying with marketing it's not it's not an overnight thing where you you 
produce a video or you do a photo shoot and then your sales go up 20%. It's very much um, slowly, slowly catchy monkey um, and that consistency, isn't it? So staying with, because um, I don't know how much work you do do with um, what I would call sort of creative businesses, but when you have worked with creative businesses or creative business owners, self-employed people, is there a common theme of things that creative people however good their art is um is there a common theme that they do wrong or maybe they need to improve on or maybe they have some um some sort of weak weaker spots or blind spots should i say i think it's very much a case of just with any form of their marketing knowing what that particular piece of marketing what the end goal is so setting out right i'm doing social media because actually this is what I want from it not doing something just because you think you should so it's about having an end goal um, and knowing what that is and also I think the creative side but with any business and business owner I think it's about um, understanding as well the difference between marketing and sales I think there's there's a dovetail there but actually they are two very different things and this is another perception that we have to get through to our clients and again in the creative industry this would be really important is that the marketing side makes people aware of you but then as a business owner it's down to you when that client walks through the door to actually then sell and close the deal isn't it so I think that's really relevant with any business that a lot of businesses make in terms of the creative side I, to be honest, I don't think I've not come across something that sticks out with the creative industry that they're really doing any differently or um, are missing than perhaps any other small business owners would be. Mm. I think there's key things there about, you know, having setting your goals, evaluating, knowing the difference between marketing and selling uh, and the patient side that I think actually is relevant to any business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think from my experience is, is there's a there's a big gap between the the business uh, the produce the production of the art and the producing the art um because generally speaking you're coming into or you're starting a business because you love what you do <clears throat> and you could be incredible at that but if you can't if you can't get a handle on the business side or the commercial side um, and of course the marketing side it's just really really difficult um and um so yeah it, it's closing that gap isn't it it is and I think that's a really good point isn't it because I think when you you do go into a business especially in the creative industry because you're very passionate about it but yeah you need that business head on and, and I think when you because I having worked at the police for about 12 years I then actually had my own marketing business for a little while before joining brand space so I went from kind of having this huge support network of IT people to just me and, and I was like this octopus juggling all these different things so I think it's knowing what you're really good at within your business but then the things that perhaps you aren't so good at which isn't a criticism it's just being human isn't it that you then lean on other people to help you do that and I think with the creative side as well do you know what I think a lot of people don't understand is the amount of time that the creative side of work takes so for us when we're designing leaflets we have Dan who's one of our really good graphic designers he's really really clever but it takes time to put all the artwork together and get the copy together and get it 
get it looking spot on. And I don't think a lot of clients appreciate the time that goes on behind the scenes when you work in the creative industry. I don't know if you find that as well, you know, with your side of things, but that yeah, getting everything just so you can't just kind of chuck everything together on a leaflet and then there you go. It, it takes time to, to make it look right and keep it on brand and get the key messages out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and um, so much of your initial client meetings is, is, is sort of planting that seed in, in terms of how long editing takes or how long the, um, if you're doing photography, how long the, um, you know, touching up the photos or, you know, all the sort of post-production side of things that people don't see, they just see the final product. And, um, you know, you put hours and hours and hours. And essentially, if people aren't, if, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but if people really don't know what they're looking at, it comes down to a binary decision of, oh, I really like that, or, oh, I don't like that. They can't really say why. It's a bit like people that don't, um, uh, favourite films. You know, if you really, people have, people either love a film uh, or they don't really like a film. But if you said, well, why? They couldn't really tell you. And it's it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Um, and it's um, it comes it comes sort of down to, educating the client and, and dealing with expectations too so you mentioned um just moving on um briefly to um your your business when you were and you were freelance so you went police freelance and now you're employed again <clears throat> were there were there many things that took you by surprise when you went freelance absolutely do you know the biggest thing and again I think I, I don't know whether it's more the creative side but it when you're actually providing a service I found that there were a lot of people that didn't want to pay a certain fee and I think and I was quite shocked by that and I thought if you were going in a shop to buy a tv you wouldn't or most normally wouldn't actually barter that cost with they? they wouldn't walk in and go oh, could I have 50 quid off I found a lot of people tried to kind of knock me down on price and I, I tried to stand my ground because I think it's really important that you know you know your worth and that you stick to your guns on pricing so that was quite a learning curve um and then also I think setting boundaries because when you're working for yourself and, you're, and it's your own business I think those work-life boundaries blur quite a bit don't they because you're just constantly thinking about your business so having that time to switch off and set boundaries as well with your clients and so it doesn't sort of completely take over your life but yeah. um but yes I think the pricing thing was quite a shock to me I was surprised at <laughs> can you do it any cheaper not really because I've actually been doing it for years so you're paying for my experience rather than how quickly I can do it because I've been doing it that long so yeah yeah, yeah. um that's that's really common as well isn't it and knowing well there's a, a couple of things there so knowing your worth um and the, the next question is going to be well how do you get to the point where you know your worth I suppose um yeah and and how again do you pass that on to the clients it's a really difficult one isn't it it is and I think that comes with confidence isn't it because when I first started my own business I thought oh I'm a new business owner I'm, I'm new at this but then you think yeah but I'm not new at what I'm actually doing I've been doing this for years I'm just new doing it for myself so I think you've got to get into that mindset haven't you and then going back to your comment about networking what wow, the value of that is amazing because 
you just get to meet people that have all these different skills that you might not have and you learn so much from the other people in the room as well as obviously widening your business network so yeah it's a really valuable side of things yeah so you're you're in a really interesting spot because you've done the freelance but now you're employed um and um potentially you know you well i don't know what your future plans are however um what are the some of the some of the hang on i'm going to rephrase that <laughs> what are some of the pros and cons of being self-employed um but also or, or on the or on the flip side being employed well i would have said if you'd asked me two years ago that being self-employed gives you more work-life balance because obviously I was in control of my own diary and actually I went freelance because I had two young children and I wanted that balance there um, a little bit more. Um, but do you know what? Now, even though working at Brandspace, because of the pandemic, we now work from home. And I think it's really made everybody reevaluate that work-life balance. Um, you know, we had a team meeting recently to, to decide whether we were going to go back into an office or work from home. And we all actually agreed, you know what, we can do this from home. The etiquette in our industry is we normally go out to our clients anyway. So we're still getting that. We still go out and see people. We still meet regularly as a team. Um, so I think the work-life balance has improved. Obviously, when you're employed, there is more structure with your salary, which is really important, I think. But um, I think it depends what sort of freelance work you do as well, because as freelance work, isn't there's very structured, probably with pay. But sometimes you don't know what's coming in each month, which I think was one of my areas where I was sort of thinking, oh, and there's a bit more pressure, isn't there, when you work just for yourself to bring in that work. I think when there's a team behind you. Um, but I do like being back with a team and having that sort of team banter and support there. Yeah. But then yeah. I think when you're freelance, you kind of draw on that from your networking side of things. So potentially, yeah, yeah. Depending yeah. on how much um, networking you do, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So, um, so you met you you did mention that the team aspect, which obviously is is really important. How um. Do you do you enjoy the creative process from meeting with the client and seeing the whole thing through um, to completion? Because I always think that when I'm doing a project, that's the most satisfying part, not just because I'm invoicing, but um, <laughs> that's the most satisfying part, because essentially together, it's very much a collaboration. Um, and of course, you're working with your team as well. Um, you've you've taken a literally a blank sheet of paper and created something um, and which I and and why I love talking to marketers is because I, like I said earlier it, it really is a creative process um, so do you want to talk to me a bit about what you kind of get from from that process yeah I think that's a really interesting question because it is really rewarding seeing the whole process through and the way because we're quite a small team um we sort of say to our clients, you know, we'll become an extension of your team, if that's okay with you guys, you know, we don't want to stalk you or anything, but we'll become part of your team and we work really closely. So, um, you know, a couple of great examples there. One of our clients is, is the Port of Dover and we've, we've carried out a rebrand for them um, and they were on board long before I, I came into the business. Um, 
and I think it's coming up to 10, 11 years that the, the business has worked with them. So that's been really lovely to see their new brand and see it there. Obviously, they're very high profile. So it's really rewarding for us to work with the team there and see what we've achieved with them. Hello, I'm Martin, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer from the Creative Club. What? Stick to the script. Right, okay. Fine. Hello, I'm Martin and I'm Ben's sidekick from the Creative Collective Networking Group. Oh, God. At 1pm every other Wednesday we meet on Zoom with... <gasps> videographers, photographers, web designers, graphic designers, marketing agencies, publishers, authors, actors, voiceover artists, copywriters, ghost writers, script writers, sound recordists, foley artists, video game designers, app designers, content creators, 3D printers, the people, not the machine, image consultants, jewellery makers, knife makers, medal makers, musicians, producers, presenters and more to have fun, build relationships and work together. To register for an upcoming event, visit thecreativecollectivenetworking.co.uk. See you there, unless you have your camera turned off, which someone did recently. The Creative Collective, collaboration, not competition. Was that better? Good. In terms of your creative process do you lean on the team or do you have um or do you go into sort of your your mode um, and then share it with the team um if you've got some ideas or are you a, the kind of person that gets ideas from others and then sort of it evolves from there how does how does that work because why i think that's quite interesting to explore is because lots of people that are self-employed in the creative industry they may have they may have some ideas to bounce off with the client, but that's it. They're, and the rest of the time, they're just sat at their computer or sat wherever they are trying mm. to think of these things. Um, and of course, you can get creative blocks and you can think, oh, you know, nothing's working and that can set panic off. Whereas if you've got a team, maybe that's a, that's a way around it. Yeah, that's really interesting. My role within brand space is sort of the account manager. So I am that link between the brilliant creative team because I can't I've got it all up here in my head and how I would like it to look on paper if you like but I can't draw to save my life I can draw stick men and that's about it whereas Paul and Dan and the rest of the team are very good at making the ideas come to life but what's really good with our side of things is we all actually have these wonderful like light bulb moments um, and we all collaborate together and come up with ideas um, obviously I'm quite strategic so I'll be thinking about the long term how we then market our ideas and how we consistently, consistently plan ahead to do that and then the rest of the team are thinking about how things are going to look and the, and the key messages and how we get them out there so it is very much a combined effort I think and and that's really really nice to be able to do that and, you know, one time it might be Paul that has the fantastic idea. It might be Dan or it might be me. And it's very often Paul or Dan. But, but yeah. yeah, but then, yeah, I come in on the strategic side and then I liaise between the client and, and the team. So, yeah, yeah it's, it really is a joint effort. And I think that's where it was a bit more of a struggle freelance. So I had that strategic idea, but then I worked with other freelancers, photographers, graphic designers, and brought them in when I needed to. Mm, mm, yeah, it's definitely a plus if you are going to be employed, isn't it? Yeah, 
um, because you have that inbuilt support rather than outsourcing because you're relying on other people's diaries then aren't you that's the uh, that's the issue I do think though that freelancing is becoming more acceptable isn't it to businesses and even with us um we still um have people that we go and look for for example I know we've discussed before because we don't have a photographer a videographer in-house so we've talked about working together haven't we um because um I think not all agencies have it's not like the old days when the agencies were huge and had everybody in-house I think it's become much more acceptable to have um a team and and still outsource as well so we we utilize both actually and that really works for us as a business model great stuff all right so I think we're um well we're not nearly at the end but we're on the final two questions Rachel um so this is this is a very exciting time um but if uh, if we come to the first question of the two, which is uh, what book or resource has had the biggest impact on you? And that could be within you know, your business, uh, your working life or your life in general. OK, so I've had to think very long and hard about this one. So I've got a couple of things if, if I'm allowed to get away with that. You can do whatever um, you like. So I have a really, I've got it sitting here, not that anyone can see it, but there's an old book called Marketing Concepts and Strategies that will help you sleep at night. But that was like my Bible in the early days and has everything you need to know about marketing. It's very old like me. Um, and so that was really useful if you're going into marketing. And then I thought about what about my personal life? And I do like to read. But I think a lot of people have probably heard of this book called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse, which okay. is a Tali Mackesy. And it's full of beautiful illustrations with these lovely sort of sayings. And I discovered it in the lockdown. And it's these beautiful drawings about this journey of this boy with his horse. And I love horses. And it was just a really nice thing to see through the pandemic. And Charlie's online as well. So he was sharing a lot of his, his stories. And it's just beautifully illustrated. And it kind of like just cheered me up and through those times because it was quite difficult for everybody, wasn't it? So I highly recommend that to anybody. It's got some really lovely things in it and would make a really nice gift as well, I think. Oh, there you go. But that's, that's lovely, that book. I can I can tell how much you like that because your face when you were describing it, it was literally lighting up. So it obviously means it means a lot to you, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a really nice one. So you've got to check that one out. Just quickly going back to the marketing book. Um, obviously it's a few years old but the question that leads on from that is that are the marketing or you know the marketing basics the marketing 101 has that changed over the years or has everything around those kind of rules in terms of digital media changed but the actual foundational principles of marketing has that changed or will it really effectively be the same forever um, because um well yeah what do you think i think the, the principles will always be there i think the aim of the marketing obviously is to put yourself in front of your ideal client so that ideal client knows about you likes what you're offering and wants to come and work with you so i don't think that principle will ever change i mean we all know that the whole digital side has completely changed the landscape of how you then utilize marketing methods if you like social media digital advertising that's changed immensely 
but for the for the better I think it's become more cost effective for a lot of smaller businesses because things like advertising on social media can be really targeted but really cost effective if you're smaller so I think there's a lot of positives there but I think ultimately the end goal isn't it is to get in front of your clients and I don't think the principles of that will ever change um but there's a lot more avenues out there to market yourself different methods and I think today from those new methods you can get a lot more in terms of evaluating and your statistics back to see how things are working and a lot of those are free you know you've got a lot of social media insights that you can utilize so I think that's how it's come on but um yeah the principles are st still very much the same and if we bring it back to the basics then of your quote-unquote ideal client how on earth does a business owner um really really get to grips with the ideal client that's the million dollar question isn't it and I've been writing about this this week because I've been saying you know that is the key thing along with getting your brand ready first as the foundation of your business it's then looking at your marketing and thinking right who do I really need to target here because if you target like a scattergun approach you're going to waste your time and money on you because a lot of businesses are very, very targeted. So let's take the estate agent, for example. Um, so we were talking about radio advertising and I said to them, this is a great way of getting your name out there. But actually, is it the most cost effective way? Because when when people are listening to the radio, not every single person that's listening to the radio is going to be ready to sell their home. So would it actually be better to do some targeted advertising, targeting specific people that have shown online that they're looking to move house? So it's really thinking about that. But when you start out with your marketing plan, because, of course, we've all got one of those. She says tongue in cheek because a lot of people don't. That's another thing you need is, is, yeah, you've got to almost segment your market down. Um, because different target audiences will be in different places. So one of your target audiences that you really want to work with might be over 70, and I'm, I'm generalising here, obviously, but so they might not be on social media. So there's no points using social media advertising for that sort of person, whereas a 17 to 24 year old is highly likely to be on Instagram. So if that's who you're trying to reach, that's where you would go to target that audience. So I think making sure you know who your customer are is and where they actually hang out if you like um in order to get in front of them is really really important before you start marketing otherwise it's just a waste of money isn't it yeah well you're, you're just looking for a needle in a, in a haystack really aren't exactly mm. yeah 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 good stuff all right thank you so just before we go on to the final question i always like the final two questions because um i always sort of kind of prepare them as sort of a bit quicker but they always and this is my fault it goes off in different tangents which i absolutely love um just because you say something interesting and then we explore that for a bit but just before we go um to the final question do you want to give yourself um um or brand space a quick plug um and also where people can find you on social media please um we're on all the social media platforms so facebook uh linkedin instagram and obviously, we've got our website, which is brandspacemedia.co.uk. Well, it's like you've done that before, right? <laughs> Just a few times. I wonder where. <laughs> Great. So 
On to the last question then. What one piece of advice would you give a person starting in your industry tomorrow? Starting in my industry tomorrow. It's quite a general piece of advice, but I think it's going back to the imposter syndrome. So when you first start out, you've spent time obviously learning about the marketing industry. So when you actually go into your first job, don't be scared to share that knowledge that you've learned and value yourself and be confident that you know what you're talking about and that you can pass that on onto clients that haven't got that experience with marketing because I think that's really really important it goes back to knowing your worth doesn't it um, and also to utilize you know other people that have been in the industry for a long time and learn from them and watch them uh, and don't be afraid to ask advice because it's all about collaboration isn't it we know that with the networking that we're doing collaboration not competition exactly and i think the way forward yeah absolutely i think you know have a look at those people in the industry that are doing really well and 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 connect with them and and see what they're doing and don't be afraid to ask them questions because we're all in it together and you know we're all happy to help those that are up and coming in the industry definitely Mm. imposter syndrome Mm. do you suffer from imposter syndrome and especially after I had my children and I had a little bit of time out you know I was quite career-minded I'd been to university I knew what I wanted to do and yeah and then I had the children and I came back into work and I thought oh am I a bit sort of out of it all now and and especially setting up my own business I was quite happy at the police to stand up in front of 200 people and talk about what we do but my first couple of networking meetings on my own I thought oh my gosh you know this is just about me now can I sell myself and I think a lot of people have trouble when they're freelancing as well that they're just talking about themselves and selling themselves solely it's quite difficult for a lot of people I think so yeah don't I don't think you should be afraid to do that you know the majority of us or all of us that are in our creative industry have got these amazing skills and we shouldn't be afraid to share those and be proud of the amount of time it's it's taken for us to gain those skills and do what we're doing we should be proud of that shouldn't we yeah absolutely I think imposter syndrome is sort of a double-sided sword if that's the right expression because I think a bit of imposter syndrome keeps you humble because without it you think you know everything and there's nothing to learn Um, and um, if there's one thing on or every business owner or every or every creative person um, you can probably agree that there's always something to learn Um, and having that imposter imposter syndrome will probably just keep you a bit level-headed yeah absolutely and I think you know as I said to you I'm a bit of a dinosaur you know I've been in the industry for years but I mean as I said earlier the the way that the digital side of things has come on since I started my marketing journey has been phenomenal so I'm constantly learning still every day so yeah I, I do think that keeps you humble and that's really important to remember isn't it I think thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast if you've hated it keep quiet but if you've loved it you can support the show by sharing it with anyone who may love it too have a nice one and i'll see you next time for another episode of squaring the circle